Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn together, please, to the Old Testament book of Ruth. Ruth chapter number 4. As we come to the closing chapter of this book, uh, we find much about the Lord. Uh, and uh, really, we find much about the Lord in the whole Bible. It's been said, I, I know I've said this before, so forgive me for, my, for the repetition, but it's been said, you know, uh, you can cut the Bible anywhere and it'll bleed. That there's a scarlet cord of redemption that flows through the whole of God's Word. As um, There's a book in my office written by, uh, his last name is uh, um, Scroggy, I think. It's, uh, it's called the, uh, the Unfolding Drama of Redemption. And it's a book about the Word of God and much truth here. But as we close this study tonight, we come again to this, to this great and uh, special book. Though there's only four chapters, there's, there's much in here. Uh, concerning the Lord, we the Bible, or I'm sorry, the book begins with three funerals, and it ends with a wedding. Uh, it, the book begins with excessive weeping, and and ends with abundance of joy. It's been said that uh, that God gives His best to those who leave the decision to Him, and I believe that's true about Ruth as she left the decision with God as she followed the Lord. Uh, back to to Bethlehem uh, with Naomi, her mother-in-law. The Bible says in Ruth chapter number 1 and verse 16, and and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And as we come to Ruth 4, all eyes focus on a special individual. Yes, in, in chapter number one, it talked about the loss of Elimelech and Malon and Chilion and, and uh, their trek back to Jerusalem. We find in, in chapters two and three how, how the Lord provides for Ruth and Naomi as, as Ruth goes out and gleans in the field of Boaz and, and, the, and, and he t- instructs his servants to, to, to give her some handfuls of purpose. And, and then she goes in and and, and treats him there to, 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 to take her and, and redeem her to be her, his wife. And, and in chapter 4, we find all of this come to fruition. And Boaz here, this great man of, this great man of God, this kinsman redeemer, a, a wonderful picture of Jesus Christ and his work that he did. Consider what, uh, what Boaz had done. He, he redeemed someone, right? He, he purchased, he was willing, and we'll talk about this here tonight, but he purchased for himself a Gentile bride. And uh, what, a, what a great picture this is of, of Christ in the church. And I'm thankful for the, for the demonstration of his love, his willingness to, uh, to redeem. But we come tonight in, in chapter number one and verse, uh, chapter four and verse number one. I invite you to stand with me tonight as we read here this closing chapter. And yes, we will read all 22 verses as we close out this uh, study tonight. But uh, there's a special expression right here in the midst of the chapter. And I'm going to see if you can pick it out here this evening as we read together. And I may even help you out. I may even pause to, uh, uh, to identify that. But let's, let's read together here, beginning in Ruth chapter 4 and verse number 1. The Bible says, Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat him down there. And behold, the kinsmen uh, of whom Boaz spake came by, unto whom he said, Ho, such a one, turn aside, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit ye down here. And they sat down. And he 
said unto the kinsman Naomi that is come again out of the country of Moab, selleth a parcel of land which was our brother Elimelech's. And I thought to advertise thee, saying, Buy it before the inhabitants and before the elders of my people. If thou wilt redeem it, redeem it. But if thou wilt not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is none to redeem it beside thee, and I am after thee. And he said, I will redeem it. Then said Boaz, What what day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the manner in in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor. And uh, this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. And Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chalion's and Melon's and, uh, of, the, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Melon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of, of, the, of his place. Ye are witnesses this day. And all the people that were in the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which too did build the house of Israel. <coughs> and, and do thou worthily in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And let thy house be like the house of Pharez, whom Tamar bare unto Judah, of the seed which the Lord shall give thee of this young woman. Excuse me. So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the women said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. For he is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharez. Pharez begat Hezron, Hezron begat Ram, and Ram begat Abinadab. And Abinadab begat Nashon, and Nashon begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz. And Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, and Lord, we thank you for your word. Oh, Lord, it's such a a blessed responsibility and privilege to have your word. Lord, we are very fortunate, very blessed to have in our own language a reliable, accurate, perfect translation of your word. And God, this evening we ask that you would open our eyes that we may behold marvelous things from your law. Lord, I pray you calm our hearts tonight, still our minds, and give us great concentration as we come to your word. Lord, may you teach us great and mighty things. 
Lord, I, we pray that you would allow us to understand you better, God, and, how, and what you have done for us so that we could have redemption. And Father, we thank you for all, all the things that we see in this chapter, but Lord, especially in the first, uh, the first ten verses of Scripture here are just amazing. But God, we love you. We pray that you challenge our hearts and help us today and uh, to walk away from here having been challenged, having made the right decisions in our hearts to love you and to live for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, did you, did you catch the expression? How many of you think you got it? Was two brave people raised their hands. The expression is found in verse number 9. In the midst of the verse, we find, we find the, the, the statement of Boaz concerning the inheritance, concerning the portion of land, concerning Ruth the Moabitess. The Bible says there, he says, I have bought all. I have bought all. And here in chapter number 4, we see a great and wonderful picture of redemption, that, that uh, uh, the, the redemptive work not only of the kinsman redeemer, Boaz, but Boaz being a type of Christ, a great picture of what Jesus Christ has done for you and for me. The second half of the chapter speaks of a bride, Ruth, and a baby, Obed. Now, there would have been neither without the redeemer, Boaz. Nevertheless, the actions taken in this chapter have their roots in the law. For sake of time, we won't turn back and read in Leviticus or Deuteronomy, but the purpose of these laws was to preserve and protect the property inheritance of the names and families of the children of Israel. The Lord didn't want some, some wealthy man to come in and, 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 uh, and, and steal away or extort someone, stealing their property, stealing their inheritance. The Lord wanted to protect that and to preserve their names for all generations. And we look here and see uh, this great man, this man Boaz, this kinsman redeemer. And as we look at his life, we hope to gain a greater vision and understanding of our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And there are three lessons or three really wonderful truths that we find here this evening concerning Boaz and his redemptive work. The first truth is this. It's simply the, uh, the meaning of redemption. What does redemption mean? Why do we need to be redeemed? We consider our lives and who we are and what, uh, what we are enduring in this life and what we have brought upon ourselves. But the word, the word redeem simply means to set free by paying a price. To set free by paying a price. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, uh, to the New Testament book of John. In John chapter number 8. See, in the case of Ruth and Naomi, it seems that their property had been sold or was under some type of lien or control of some outside authority, and that the rights of the land had been passed to Ruth, to Ruth's husband, Milan, uh, after his death and after the death of Elimelech, because otherwise Ruth would have had no reason to be involved in this transaction at all. She was bound to this. And, and through this story, uh, though this story records the history of a real estate transaction, the Bible is pointing to something far more deeper, something far more spiritual. And, and, and the Lord is, is showing us what, what uh, Christ has done for us. And you see, you and I, we were, we're not exactly like Ruth in the sense that, that we are 
are, are bound to this piece of property or that we're poor and unable to redeem it, to pay for it, to get out from under the loan or the lien or the mortgage, whatever it was that, that they were having difficulty with, you and I are in a, in a much worse state of bondage. We are in spiritual bondage. And the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter number 1, uh, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 1 through 3, says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past he walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, uh, in, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You see, you and I were in spiritual bondage. We're in bondage to sin, but we're also in bondage to the devil. The Bible says there, it says that, uh, we, all, uh, that uh, we walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. But in John chapter 8, look what the Bible says in verses 33 and 34. The Bible says, They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Here's Jesus. He's speaking. He tells folks, Hey, you are, you are bound. You're held in, in some form of captivity. You say, wait a minute. We're, we're free. We've never been in bondage to anybody or anything. Well, that's not necessarily true, is it? They were in captivity for 70 years, were they not? They were, in, uh, they were held in, in Egypt, of course. The Lord led them there, but they were in slavery in Egypt. Seems kind of like they were in bondage to me, doesn't it? But the Lord wasn't speaking to a physical bondage. We're speaking of a spiritual bondage. The Bible says in verse 34, Jesus answered them, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. See, you and I, we're, we, are, we are in bondage. The Bible tells us we're in bondage to our sin. We are servants to sin. We are servants uh, to, of the devil. We followed him. This is all prior to salvation. You and I, we were bound, and we needed to be set free. And the word redeem means to, to buy back, or to, to, set, to set free by, by paying the price. And the reality is, we are unable to free ourselves from this bondage. Thus, our need for redemption, or a redeemer. Listen to what the Bible says in Mark chapter 10, in verse number 45. It says, for even the Son of Man has come not to minister, uh, to be ministered unto, but to minister, to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came so that you and I, so that he might redeem us from the bondage of sin, from the bondage of the devil. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, the Word of God says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain. And listen, and has redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign, or I'm sorry, and we shall reign on the earth. Christian, the only way you and I can have redemption is through Jesus Christ. He is, this is the meaning of redemption, to be, to be set free because somebody was willing to pay the price. See, there's a price that you and I cannot pay. If we were to attempt 
to pay the price on our own, we would have to go to a place the Bible calls hell. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. This past Tuesday, I was sitting in a hospital room with a gentleman. <coughs> and sometimes in our thinking, we, we, we think that we can do things on our own, don't we? And I think this is where this, uh, this gentleman was in his, in his mind. But he allowed me to take the word of God, and, and I read that verse, Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. In our religious, selfish thinking, we think that we are able to do things on our own. We think, well, if I'm just good enough that God will reward me for my good, and I've, if I've done more good than I've done wrong, then I'll be okay. But that's not how it works. We think that we can, by being good, tip the scale in our favor, but that's not how God operates. We, we, we think that, that we're sufficient, when in the reality is we can do nothing. Ruth and Naomi, they were there back in, in, in Bethlehem. They realized, you know, we are, we are absolutely poor. There is not one thing that we can do to redeem this parcel ground. There's not one thing that we can do to be set free from the bondage we need. We need a redeemer. And Christian, that's where you and I are. We need a redeemer because there's not one thing that you and I can do to earn uh, our redemption on our own. We cannot pay the price. If I paid the price, the wages of sin is death. If I'm going to say, oh, I'm going to pay that price, I'm going to pay my own way, you'll never do it. You'll never pay your way to heaven. There's not enough money in this world to earn your way to heaven. There's not enough good deeds that you can do to merit your way into heaven. It's only through Jesus Christ. The gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I told the gentleman, you know, one day we're going to stand before God. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? It's real. It's true. I told him, and God's going to... If we attempt to get to heaven on our own, God's going to give us our, our wage, our payment, what we deserve. And God is just, isn't he? The Bible says he's the just and the justifier. He's, he knows all. There's not one thing that we can do. We read in our, in our Bible time last night as a family that the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Beholding the evil and the good. We cannot escape God. He, he sees us. He hears us. We cannot flee from His presence. There's, there's no hiding from God. God knows the condition of our hearts. He, he knows the state of our lives. And one day we're going to stand before Him. When we will either stand before Him on our own merit, which none of us want to stand before God on our own merit, because he does not reward us for the good that we've done. We're required to pay for the, for the sins we've committed. And the wages of sin is death. Or we can stand before him on the merits of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who died in our place, paid for our sin, was buried and rose again so that we can have eternal life, a home in heaven, relationship with God. The meaning of redemption. Look what the Bible says there again in John chapter number 8. See, there's only through Christ that we can be made free. And the Bible says in John chapter 8 and verse 36, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be 
free indeed. It's only through Christ that we can be free. There's only, only through Christ can we be delivered from the bondage of sin and death. But notice the second truth we find here tonight are the marks, the marks of the Redeemer. The marks of the Redeemer. Turn back in your Bibles to Ruth chapter number 4. Ruth chapter number 4. We look here, we find what, what makes Boaz special. We'll, we'll turn to a, different, a few different passages of Scripture here, so get your fingers kind of ready and limber to turn. Get your dexterity, is that what they call it? Make sure your fingers have all their dexterity because we're going to be flipping pages here in a second. See, not just anybody could perform the work of the kinsman redeemer. Look what the Bible says in verse 9. It says, And Boaz said unto the elders and to all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and all that was Malon's of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon the inheritance, that the name of the dead me not cut off from among his brethren. And from the gate of, this, of his place, ye are witnesses this day. He said, I've bought all. I am the Redeemer, is what, what Boaz stated. I pay, I'm paying the price of redemption. But what are the marks of the kinsman Redeemer? What's the marks of the Redeemer? Well, number one, he had to be a near kinsman. A near kinsman. You can write these things down if you'd like. He needs to be a near kinsman. Turn in your Bibles to, to Leviticus chapter 25. Leviticus chapter number 25. As you turn there, listen to what the Bible says. Even, even uh, Boaz recognized that he was not uh, the nearest kinsman. There was one nearer to him. In Ruth chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, the Bible says, And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman well, let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee. As the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. So, hey, there's some qualifications that had to, to be in place. And the first one, he had to be a kinsman, a near kinsman. The Bible says in Leviticus chapter 25 and verse 25, if thy brother be waxen poor and hath sold away some of his possession, and if any of his, of his kin come to redeem it, then shall he redeem that which his brother sold. There's a relationship here. This was the major obstacle, as we've already seen, that Boaz had to overcome, for there was a nearer kinsman to Naomi and Ruth than he. And seeing this as a, uh, seeing this as a type of Christ it reminds us that Jesus also had to become related to us before he could redeem us. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 2. To Hebrews chapter number 2. Did you realize that Jesus was not always man? But there was a day when he became man. And he ever is, he ever uh, will remain man. The Bible says in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 2, in verse number 14, says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Jesus stepped out of eternity, took upon himself humanity, and forever bears the marks of 
of redemption in that humanity. The Bible says He ever liveth to make intercession for us. The Bible goes on to say in, in verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 2, that through death He might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who, who through fear of death were all uh, their lifetime subject to bondage. Subject to bondage. He's able to redeem because He became sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. We're thankful that, that Christ took pity upon us, <laughs> loved us, condescended to man, was robed in flesh, and went to the cross, paid the price for our sin. And that's the second truth we find here in, concerning the marks of the Redeemer is that he had to be able to pay the price of redemption. He had to be able to pay the price. Naomi and Ruth were too poor to redeem themselves, but Boaz was more than able to redeem. When it comes to spiritual redemption, only Christ is rich enough to pay the price. The payment of money can never purchase one's redemption or salvation. It's only through the shedding of Jesus' precious blood. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to Ephesians chapter number 1. Ephesians chapter number 1, and listen to what the Bible says in verse number 7, Ephesians chapter number 1, concerning uh, the price being paid. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, and notice in just a moment, we'll read in verses 18 and 19 concerning His ability to pay the price of our redemption. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse number 18, the Bible says there, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things, or things that wear out or fall apart, things that don't last forever, they're corruptible. Uh, they break down. They're no good after time. But the Bible as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. But notice in verse number 19, the Bible says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Christians, Jesus was able to pay the price of redemption. You and I, we could not pay the price for our redemption because you and I are sinners. And remember, if a sinner is purpose is to pay for his own sin, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But Jesus Christ shed his blood. He paid the price for our sin. His precious blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And the Bible says again in Ephesians 1.7, we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. But notice the third mark, the third mark of, of the Redeemer. He had to be a near kinsman. He had to be able to pay the price of redemption. But notice, He had to be willing to redeem. He had to be willing to redeem. Look back in the book of Ruth, in chapter number 4, and notice what the Bible says in verse number 6. Remember, there was a nearer kinsman than, than Boaz. 
There was one he had, he had if, for lack of better term, he had first dibs, right? But he wasn't willing. The Bible says in verse number 6 of chapter 4 of Ruth, it says, And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I mar mine own inheritance. Redeem thou thy, uh, my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. That's not true. He could redeem it. He just wouldn't. He could redeem it. He had the ability. He was going to redeem it until he found out that Ruth was part of the deal. Ah, forget it. No, I'm not going to mar mine inheritance. And you realize, interestingly enough, everything that this man was concerned about, his inheritance, his name, his family, his fame in Israel, we don't know anything about him other than what he just said right there. He's passed into obscurity of time, right? He's passed from the scene and he's forgotten. But we find Boaz, this man who was willing to redeem, he lives on. His name is etched here in the Word of God, which is forever settled in heaven. Boaz's testimony, his fame, lives on through all eternity. But we look and we see Jesus Christ in all of this. Did Jesus have to pay our redemption? No, he didn't have to do anything. But he willingly came. Remember as he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible tells us that he prayed as if it were great, or he prayed great sweat drops of blood ran down his face. He said, if there's any way that this cup can pass from me, nevertheless, not what I will, but what thou wilt. He willingly went to the cross. He didn't have to, he chose to. Just like Boaz, as he didn't, he didn't have to redeem Ruth. He did not have to redeem uh, the possession. He did not have to redeem the inheritance. He chose to redeem it. He willingly redeemed. I'm thankful that Jesus willingly went to the cross for you and for me. But notice the third truth we find here tonight. We find back in Ruth chapter 4 the method of redemption the method of redemption. In verses 1 through 8, we find the great, uh, the process by which, or the length to which Boaz went, the methods he used to redeem Ruth and the inheritance to himself. He gets up in the morning, he goes to the gate of the city, and it just so happens that the nearer kinsman walks by, he says, What does he say there in verse number 1? He says, Oh, such a one, turn aside. The man turned aside, sat down. He got ten witnesses of the elders of the city to come and sit down and witness the transaction. And he sat him down and he explained everything. He said, Hey, you know know, Naomi and Ruth? You know, they've come back from Moab. Oh, yeah, I'm familiar with the story, yeah. So, well, you're the the kinsman. It's your job. Their inheritance needs redemption. They need redeemed. Okay, I'll do it. Well, then he brings Ruth into the picture. Oh, I I can't do that. I'm not going to mar my own inheritance. I don't want to involve anybody else in what what I've got going on here. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 7. 
Now, this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning changing, uh, um, concerning changing for to confirm all things, redeeming and concerning. Um, let me start there again, verse seven. Now, this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning changing for to confirm all things. A man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe. Aren't you glad you don't have a bunch of shoes as receipts? But that was the witness. That was the receipt of the transaction. We don't know this man's name. We'll never know his name outside of eternity, but he, he bends over, he takes off his shoe, and he hands it to Boaz. He says, here you go. This is the testimony. This is the proof. And all ten of these people, all ten of these people that are, that are sitting there, all these elders sitting in the gate, they are eyewitnesses of this transaction. Hey, I remember, remember that day when we sat at the gate? Boaz and what's his name, where they were talking about the uh, they were talking about the redemption of the kinsman redeemer, doing the part of the kinsman redeemer, and how he drew off his shoe and gave it to Boaz. It's the testimony. There's a testimony there. Christian, what is our testimony? From for generation to generation, they would pass down uh, that that the proof of that transaction via eyewitness testimony of him taking off his shoe and handing it to Boaz. What is our receipt of transaction? What's the proof? (laughs) You want to know what it is? It's this. I, I almost hate to say it, but this is the shoe. This is a shoe. That God has given us, this is the proof. This is the testimony of of the redemption, of the purchased possession, you and me. That the Lord has handed down from generation to generation, from generation to generation. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth. Purify it seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The Lord takes the testimony and he passes it down. How do I know it's true? Well, the word of the Lord is truth. We know that that all things have taken place because God has said what has happened. We have it. We can read it. We can see it with our own eyes. We can lay hold upon it. We can study it. We can search it out. We have the testimony. The method of redemption. Jesus paid his blood. The Bible says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scripture. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve and above five hundred brethren at once. We, We have the testimony that that Jesus died and rose again. I wasn't there. How many of you were there? I've been there to where it took place. But he's not there, praise the Lord. The tomb's empty. You can go in and check for yourself. He's risen. He's alive forevermore. But you know what? 
my eyes being there, my me physically being there in that place 2,000 years after his death means nothing. Because we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have the word of God that's better than any eyewitness account. Anything that these ten men witnessed there in the gate, we have a more sure word of prophecy. We have God's word. We can take God at his word. We have the story of Boaz's redemption of, of Ruth and the inheritance of, of Elimelech and her husband, Malon. We see God do a work in their lives and we find the meaning of redemption and the marks of the Redeemer and even the method of redemption. But Christian, what does all of this mean to you and to me? Turn in your Bibles, if you would please, to the New Testament as we close here tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 tonight. You see, you and I, we have a great responsibility to live our lives in such a way that glorifies our Redeemer. As you look here in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we're just going to notice one verse. Of course, the background or the context is the Lord telling us to flee fornication and to live righteously, not live like the world, because we've been bought with a price. What the Bible says, you know, I'm not going to say I lied, I just misspoke. Let's begin in verse number 19, all right? So we're just going to notice one verse. We're going to look at two, okay? Verses 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The Bible says what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of, Holy Go- of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Why am I not my own? We live in a society that says, well, I'm my own person, right? I can, I can do as I please. I can do what I want. Nobody can tell me what to do. And sadly, some of that is even trickled over into our Christian lives and polluted our thinking, and polluted our Christian lives. We're not our own. You see, you and I have been redeemed. We've been purchased by God and set free. Set free not to live for ourselves. But set free to live for the Lord. You see, we were in bondage to ourselves before. We were serving ourselves. We were serving the world, the flesh, the devil. That was the bondage. And it brought no peace. It brought no hope. It brought no satisfaction. It brought no comfort. It brought nothing good in our lives. But you and I, we've been redeemed. We've been purchased by the blood of Christ. The Bible actually tells us that God shed his blood to pay price for our sin in Acts chapter 20. But we look here, we find, like in verse number 20, it says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, because we are not our own, because we are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. What does salvation provoke us to? It ought to provoke us to holy living. 
it ought to provoke our hearts to love and good works. It ought to provoke us to love the Lord more and to serve Him more faithfully. Because of what Christ has done on our behalf, understanding there is nothing that we could do to, to earn our salvation. There is nothing we could do to redeem ourselves. Seeing the price, the ultimate price that Christ paid. You know what? Salvation is free for you and me. There's not one thing that you and I had to do in order to get to heaven. We, it wasn't about a church attendance. It wasn't about putting money in an offering plate. It, it was, it's not about serving. It's not about works. It's not, a, it's not, a, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Salvation is, is free for you and me. to God it was very costly he paid the price that you and I could not pay therefore we should live our lives for his glory are you living your life for God's glory or your own are you living your life in a way that exalts the Lord? Are you living your life in a manner that points other people to who Christ is? Are you living your life separated from sin, separated from the world, separated, sanctified, set apart for God? That's the desire God has for us, to be different. He didn't redeem us to continue doing what we're doing. He redeemed us to be different, to live differently, to live for Him. That's the Christian life. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Why? Because we've been purchased by the blood of Christ. Will you live your life for Him? Will you decide not to live for yourself any longer? Not to live for, your, for what you want, your fleshly appetites, whatever you want to call it. Won't you just live for God? Because that's what redemption ought to produce. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's all stand to our feet. In just a moment, the piano... We'll play, I don't know the song number, but take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me this evening? I, I'm redeemed. I've, I've accepted Christ as my Savior. I know that heaven is my home. But my heart's desire is to live my life for the glory of God. Pastor, would you please pray for me? May I pray for you tonight? Amen. Consider everything that Christ had done. I know that was a measly, measly attempt to describe the redemptive work of Christ. Just consider Him who endured such contradiction of sinners against Himself, lest we be wearied and faint in our minds. Consider Christ 
If the Lord has spoken to your heart this evening, won't you leave your place? Won't you come pray? Won't you ask the Lord? Say, God, here I am. I, I've, I've accepted you as my Savior, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to purpose again tonight, afresh and anew, that I'm going to glorify you with my life. Here I am, Lord. You've, you've bought me. You've purchased me. The least I could do. It's my reasonable service to live for you. Maybe you're here tonight and say, Pastor, would you please pray for me this evening? I don't know for sure heaven is my home. If I were to die today, I don't know where I would spend eternity. I understand that, that Jesus Christ is the only means, and I need to come and place my faith in him. Is that you? May, may I pray for you tonight? Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time in your word this evening. We pray that you bless the invitation, that you'd work in our hearts, God, that you'd help us. Help us glorify you. Lord, we've seen the, uh, the meaning of redemption, the marks of the Redeemer, and the method of redemption. And God, we ask that you'd help us see Christ. Keep Christ at the forefront of it all. And help us, we ask. Work now, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As God has spoken to your heart, won't you leave your place and come? Won't you come pray? Seek the Lord. for myself. Help me live for Jesus. Let's take our songbooks, turn to song number 490. In just a moment, we'll sing the last verse as we consider what Christ has done for us and living our life for Him. Before we sing it, notice the words there, verse 4, song 490 in your songbook. It says, Take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee, ever only all for thee. Let's lift our voice on that last verse, Psalm 490. Take my life, let it be. And take my love, my God, I pour at thy feet its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee, ever only, all for thee. Amen. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Trust the Lord helped you.
encourage you. That's uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and just seeing Christ in it all. But uh, makes you want to love Him more and live for Him better. But Brother Jeff Wise, would you close us in prayer tonight?